Welcome to another episode of the Pulp Nostalgia Audiocast. In this episode, we have Welcome to Luna by Charles E. Fritch, originally published in the April 1952 issue of Startling Stories. The stories include in our new pulp collection from Brick Pickle Media, Pulp Adventures on the Moon. You can find more info and order the book at brickpicklemedia.com books or from Amazon or any other bookstore. And that link is also in the show notes. This podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production, copyright 2019. For more from Brick Pickle Media, visit www.pulpaudiocast.com. And with that, on with the show. Welcome to Luna by Charles E. Fritch. He'd reach the moon, or die trying. For as long as he could remember, Mac Everts had desired but one thing in life. He'd wanted it more than anything else, and it became an obsession with him. And now it's become a reality, he breathed. He looked at the moon in the forward viewscreen. It was clear and crystal bright like a silver quarter on black velvet. The man in the moon looked back at him. They smiled. We're going to be great friends, you and I, Max said to it. Great friends. Beneath his feet, the metal floor of the rocket vibrated, quivering with the monotonous pulsing of the atomic engines that were now thrusting him across a brief interval between Earth and her satellite. The view screen hazed as moisture crept into Mac Everett's eyes, and the silver quarter shimmered as if immersed in a pool of glittering water. I'm going to the moon, he whispered into the artificial atmosphere of the cabin. The first man to go to the moon. It had been a long, hard struggle, full of disheartening setbacks of friends who did not understand and enemies who did. All his life he'd had the battle of physical difficulties, the long hours spent working so he could study, the long hours studying so he could learn, the sweating and the toiling trying to get material, and then the sweating and the toiling to put the material together. He didn't mind that so much. It was something you could get your teeth into, something you could battle with tooth and nail, slide rule and blueprint. The ridicule to jests made it innocent fun by otherwise well-meaning persons. That was something else. For as long as he could remember, Mac Everts had wanted to go to the moon. And for as long as he could remember, he'd been ridiculed and made fun of. But now, now he'd show them. The moon was slowly filling the view screen with its bulk, and Mac Everts mind filled itself with indescribable exhilaration. The soft thrum of the engines raced the rapid beating of his heart. It was strange, he thought, that people still viewed space travel as something more suitable to fiction than reality, even in the year 1988. Probably the government's expensive failures had something to do with that. Even now, their only accomplishment was sending unmanned rockets to the moon, trying to break their fall by remote control and failing. There were many volunteers, of course, but public opinion was against the project as it was, and if another manned rocket knocked holes in both the moon and the crew, that would be the end. Maybe in a few years the government's experiments would be complete, and rocket travel would be considered safe enough to include a human being. The time was swiftly growing ripe for it. Meanwhile, Mac Everts wasn't waiting. For the hundredth time, he went about the small cabin, his magnetized heels clanking softly against the metal floor. It was a small rocket. He'd had no use for a large one, but large enough to amaze even him that alone he could build it. With the help of friends, it would have been completed much sooner. But friends gave unwelcome advice and had no desire to waste precious time in such a ridiculous task as building a moon rocket. So he'd done it himself. All of it. He had drawn the plans and charted the trajectory. Every single rivet he had personally placed there. It took a long time in the doing, but he had done it. Yes, it had taken a long time. 37 years of a 38-year life. 
for even his cradle, he had reached for that shiny something that lingered just beyond grasp and was surprised and angry that he could not pluck it from the air like a circus balloon on a string. It is true that many children reach for the moon, but Mac Everest did not outgrow to desire. Even now, as it grew large and full before him, as face markings became light and shadow, rimming deep craters and empty seas, even now he wanted to reach out and hold it in his hands, gently as though it were a large, scarred soap bubble. He had often lain on a cool grass during warm summer evenings and watched the moon climb hand over hand across the diamond-set heavens and dreamed he was out in space beside it, drifting weightlessly, feeling the soft murmur of stars about him. Someday, he'd said, I'm going up there to the moon. In 1960, when he was ten years old, he made this announcement to a close circle of friends. They laughed at him, derided him, for derision was then the style. A space rocket bearing three Air Force personnel had just exploded for no discernible reason upon reaching the moon's surface, and the public was indignant. After that, the project dropped from the limelight almost to obscurity, and further appropriations were inadequate even for test rockets. The children had danced around him, singing, Mackie Everts went to the moon. Mackie Everts fell very soon. Sullen, he turned away, hands in pockets. I'll show you, he muttered, hurt and angry. I'll show all of you. Behind him, the derisive cries came. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Mackie together again. With the sound of their rhyme haunting him, he returned to his work. As the rocket went through space, Mac Everett thought about those children and the hard-headed, mundane individual they'd grown up to be. People with two feet and a granite head, firmly and immovably wedded to equally solid ground. Persons with thoughts going no further than their noses. He thought about them and turned each of their names over on his lips as though tasting the sound it made. They wanted to be shown, did they? Well, he was showing them now. Hadn't been easy, though. Hadn't been easy at all. For hardly a moment of his life had been spent in anything other than preparation for the time he would blast off for Luna. Even in pre-adolescence, he'd hurried from school to isolate himself in his room and study books on astronomy and physics and chemistry and mechanical design and a thousand other things he might need in preparation for this greatest of all adventures. Many long afternoons he would spend in the library poring over volumes of technical data, much of which he could at that time understand only dimly at best. While other children played, he studied, bending all efforts toward one final goal. He'd gone through high school in two and a half years with a number of credits far exceeding those necessary to graduate. His marks were low, sometimes barely passing, for all his learning was directed toward one dominant purpose, and he tried as best he could to ignore arbitrary educational requirements. He had enough to learn. He went to college, taking courses without credit, desiring only the knowledge he could attain from them. Layer upon layer of knowledge filled out the pattern he had set for himself, fusing itself into a larger, straighter arrow pointing toward the goal that dominated his life. No, it hadn't been easy at all, but finally it had paid off and Mac Average was a rocket expert who could be compared favorably with anyone in the world. If you're so damn set on moon rockets, a friend said once, why don't you get in on the government project? Mac shook his head, slowly but with infinite firmness. No. Since their accident with the Air Force men, the government was sending only unmanned rockets to the moon. Besides that, this was his battle. It was a personal thing. He'd fought against tremendous odds alone, and now he would continue alone. He'd said he would be the first to set foot on the moon, and now he'd do it himself or die in the attempt. He, not the government, would be the new Columbus. Mac Everett strapped himself into a soft padded chair and with glad eyes watched the moon hurtling to meet him. His fingers ran certainly over the controls. The rocket ship decelerated and conflicting forces pulled him into the seat. It wouldn't be long now. Minutes. Only minutes. And then seconds and then parts of seconds. During those last few minutes, Mac Everett became a machine, precise and without emotion. 
Neurons clicked noiselessly, giving silent directions, and hands obeyed, quickly, mechanically, without hesitation. The rocket settled on a long tail of orange flame. Suddenly it was over, and silence crept forward. For a long moment he sat very still, then the tension burst suddenly from him like a released spring, and he wanted to laugh and shout and cry all at once. The moon! He shouted ecstatically. I'm on the moon! I made it! The first man on the moon! He dragged a reconverted diving suit from a wall and eagerly pulled himself into it. He opened the door and oxygen swept from the small cap, stirring up yellow-gray dust that fell slowly. Mac Everett stepped forward like a man in a dream, his heart hammering within him. Mackie Everett went to the moon. Mackie Everett fell very soon. His fists clenched. He'd show them. He'd show them all. He strode onto the cold, hard surface of the satellite, crumbling aegis rocks beneath his boots. He felt light and airy, and his gaze swept chalky cliffs and crags and pits as though he owned them personally. It was quiet, lifeless, like a tomb. Overhead, stars shone like fire. And all the king's horses. Mac fell to his knees. Here, in the sight of God and the universe, I claim this satellite, Luna. And all the king's men. Jubilantly, Mac got to his feet and turned back to the rocket. Could have put Mackie. He stared, his features contorting in disbelief. The rocket ship was smashed, wrecked, a hopeless tangle of steel and glass and wire and bones and flesh and blood. Behind it was the long furrow had plowed into the moon's surface. For a long time, Mac Everett stared at it, not understanding. And then over the crest of a hill came a crowd of people, their whispers crying in the airless silence. In the lead were three men in tattered Air Force uniforms. Their faces grave and welcoming. Mac began to cry. Overhead, the earth looked down, uncomprehending. And that is it for today's story. Welcome to Luna by Charles E. Fritch. Not exactly a positive tale of moon exploration, but we'll be back with more moon stories and other pulps that might have a little bit of a happier ending in the coming weeks. So again, thanks for listening today. And just a reminder, if you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This has been a Brick Pickle Media production, and we'll be back with a new episode next week.